Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. I'm on the road and I'll be back in the studio next week. Wow, we have an important show today. There is so much happening. Trump is being indicted, uh, but there is so much coming out on the criminal actors in our justice system, in our law enforcement, in our national security state. And we're going to dig deep into it today. We're brought to you by the Georgia Record, as I said. So please check out the Georgia Record. We are bringing you massively good content. Please support us. Sign up for our newsletter. Sign up for our no-ad subscriptions. You get access to all the best news around the world with CD Media. We have 12 different sites at last count. We're opening more every day. We're about to open a paper in Colorado Springs to bring the Colorado Free Press. That will be coming online in the next 60 days. But uh, look, where can you go for good media down to the local level to the global level? CD Media is where it's at. So sign up for our new ad subscription. Pay us a few bucks a month. And, uh, and and really get access to the best news with no ads. I know that people don't like them popping them up on their phones, but we have to make money. So please support us that way. It's only a few bucks a month. And it's springtime. So uh, there are kids graduating from college. There are wives uh, soon to be minted at springtime summer marriages. They're going to need household goods. Don't go to the big box retailers. Don't go buy the Chinese crap. Go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code CDM. They have the best discounts out there right now up to 80% off. You can get towels. He has 600 products, towels, sheets, uh, outerwear, uh, just, you know, incredibly mattress toppers, all kind of things, 600 products. So check out what Mike has. Send your uh, newly minted college grad or new wife in the family, a bunch of really great high quality gifts. Use promo code CDM. So this, the show today, we've had election activist Chris Gleason on before. He's going to come on again. We're going to delve deep into what's happening uh, around the country and not just in Georgia, but the patterns are the same. So we're going to talk about that. I've got Brent Beecham to come on to talk about commercial real estate in Atlanta. He's a developer in North Atlanta and a, and a, a partner in uh, CD Media. And also Mallory Staples is going to get a, give a wrap up of the legislative session, which is finally over and 520 was defeated. So right now I'm going to bring on Chris. Hello, my friend. Hey, how are you? So I know you are slammed uh, because we've been talking all weekend, um, but more and more is coming out. I just saw a really good article that Gateway put out on some stuff on Alvin Bragg. But before we get into that, for people who haven't seen you before, you've been on the show many times. Just give us the 30,000 foot update of where you came from, how you got into this and, and, and where you are now. Please. Okay. Um, sure. So, so I'm, I'm a... Uh... Computer savvy guy um, invented some pretty neat software before um, most banks had websites. <laughs> I invented a, a search engine for mortgage loan programs based on uh, an XML standard back in you know 1999. Um, worked in software development, sales, um, all sorts of interesting stuff, and. Um, a lot of my time is spent in finance and, um, and in data. And mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I, have a, I have a very interesting and diverse background that, uh, that has uh, uh, worked out well. And so I um, ended up getting involved in election stuff on a data project out of Washington State. Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, went to work on a, uh, a way to identify who was what political party, 
how likely they were to contribute and who they were most likely to contribute to. And so we um, found some interesting stuff working in Washington state. And this pattern that we identified, I went and uh, validated that in Oklahoma, same mm -hmm. pattern, and then moved into Florida, same pattern. And then we started diving into state campaign finance as well. Same pattern. And then with this information, I went to a friend of mine who was a retired FBI agent. And I said, hey, what, what should I do with it? What, what do I, you know, what, what should I do with this? And mm -hmm. he's like, um, here, let me hook you up with some people. And uh, that's how I uh, got involved with election integrity stuff. Mm -hmm. And it has been um, one heck of a ride over the past uh, little over a year and a half now. So it's yeah. uh, it's pretty interesting. So you just filed so, a massive RICO suit in Maryland, correct? And so it's going to be multi-state. Where? <laughs> yeah. So I got involved with the case. Come on, Chris, you're not you're not moving fast enough, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, it's hard because you know there are a lot of corrupt judges out there who yeah. um, want to do the best that they can to not have this hot potato on their lap. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, as uh, I'm sure uh, your viewers have seen this week. There were some um, dramatic videos uh, from O'Keefe Media Group. And um, the uh, basis of uh, our efforts in Maryland and Wisconsin and Michigan and Florida and other states um, is uh, we've had some interesting developments, to, to say yeah. the least. Um, one of the really great things tied to this case um, was that the longstanding head of Maryland elections, a woman by the name of Linda Lamone, she abruptly resigned this week. It was very, very surprise, um, surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> and now also this week, this uh, case that we were involved with in Maryland, um, the judge made some really curious, made a really curious uh, finding. Um, <laughs> the case was uh, the case had gotten an extension of time to file some updated information to uh, uh, for a motion for reconsideration based on new facts and evidence. And this fa these facts and evidence were so explosive that the judge just shut down uh, access to PACER and with it, the documents that were online and the attorney wow. and his paralegal had to go down to the courthouse and say, hey, our access to PACER has been shut down and what gives? And they're saying, well, the case was closed back in December. And he's like, well, look at the docket sheet here. And <laughs> so there was... Um, the attorney in Maryland, Walter Charlton, is very, um, he's a feisty guy, and he doesn't yeah. take no for an answer. And um, so he is now appealing the um, decision of this uh, corrupt judge, because why else would a judge do what the judge did? I mean, there's no 
there's no there's no basis in law because here is the thing the motion for reconsideration based on new facts and evidence directly addressed every single issue that the judge had laid out in the dismissal well you would think that the judge would want to at least have a hearing on the material facts and evidence you would uh, think apparently not he just and shut it down yeah, so was, the case was shut down, just like all these other cases. And, you know, the funny thing about it was, you know, typically the judges love to say standing, right? Well, we established mm -hmm. standing because we uncovered, um, uh, you know, uh, many, 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 many thousands of blank ballots, 100% cast in the state of Maryland. Hmm. And we also, because of this wonderful stuff in Maryland, we figured out that they were using ballot curing software, which, you know, um, forges ballots and creates new ballots and, and all, and all done on a system that wasn't certified. And so, right. As we're digging into, digging into that, we, re, we, I realized that the system, ES and S system that they were using was never properly certified to begin with. They never met the full legal requirements under Maryland law. And, and right, right after um, that submission and uh, the O'Keefe Media Group going public with what we found in Maryland, Linda Lamone did not want to have to deal with that. So she left. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, that, that, it's amazing yeah. to me when these, these officials like retire, like Fauci, do they expect that that's going to resolve them of any you know, legal problems down the road? It's, oh, no. It's interesting. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. I mean, that's... No, uh, uh, especially yeah. in a civil, a civil, a civil RICO suit. She is, this is mm -hmm. not over by a long shot. And, yeah. you know, so we're dealing with a kind of a similar, some similar stuff here in Florida with corrupt mm -hmm. election officials, um, altering and uttering, um, election documents. And we've had some pretty big, um, explosive stuff here where I live in Pinellas County. Um, and you know, they know that this is, they, they know we've caught them because they're, they're altering election documents and they're pay, placing these absolutely unreasonable fees on, um, to comply with the law of, uh, public disclosure of documents. That's our data, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, so what's, what's, what's really interesting, right? is that now we have this bill that um, this guy Broder, um, some state senator, um, has mm -hmm. presented. And, you know, that's really, it's very interesting because what this new legislation is um, aimed at. This, is, this, is, this is Senate, Senate Bill 1220, I think, and House Bill 991, yeah. I think is the numbers in Florida yeah. where they want to make it much easier to sue news organizations who say anything bad about the governor. And, th and this is the same guy that put out the previous bill that was rejected as ridiculous that he wanted bloggers to register. Correct. Yeah. 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 Same thing. Yeah. And so you have to ask what, who told them to do that? Because yeah. who's influencing them. And what we found, yeah. here's what we found. Follow the money. You want to know? Wow. Follow the money. And so I looked into him. 
I looked into him and, you know, he, he's got, um, by far his largest donors, um, are, uh, <laughs> uh, organizations that don't appear to, um, um, represent the people. And that would be the Florida Republican senatorial campaign committee. Wow. And, and there's this a is, lot this is. This is state Senator Jason Broder, who has put up these communist bills. In yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, by yeah. far, that is who um, who's who's been the greatest and uh, the, gr the greatest financial largesse to uh, state Senator Broder. So amazing. Why? Why? Why would that be? Why, why would you want to stifle free speech? Oh, wait, because they know that we've got them caught between a rock and a hard place with, with the fact that Florida does not have elections. We have selections and we have it all documented. And it goes. But to I thought, I thought right Florida was where, you know, woke goes to die. Oh, uh, only, <laughs> you know, I mean, truly it, it does. Okay. Truly it does. But not the way that um, uh, DeSantis um, spins it. Because when you look at all of the stuff that this guy does, it's all window dressing with, with really, you know, not a lot to it. And he has no intention. He has zero intention in election integrity because he's been the beneficiary of rigged elections himself. Yeah. Or Bird as well. And, you know, like the just a couple examples, sorry to interrupt, but the Disney issue, which t turned out to be a, a joke, the election integrity group, which turned out to be a joke. So go down the list. I mean, he's yeah. done some good stuff with some of the education stuff, but, you know, proof is in the pudding long term. Well, you know, with the even with the education stuff, basically what they've done is rebrand. They re they renamed it just like everything mm -hmm. else. So they're mm -hmm. still teaching a common core type of math in the schools. They just call it sunshine mm. math now. Mm. That's a cool name. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. all of the George Soros packs, right? You know, <laughs> names that all, you know, make it all friendly. So, and, so let's, uh, you, you've, you've uncovered a lot of corrupt election officials in Florida. You've, filed a RICO lawsuit in Maryland, mainly for some of the donation issues and also the ballot blank ballot issue where they're removing ballots for certain candidates. Um, you found that the candidate in, or the senator in Florida who is looking to suppress free speech is supported by the Republican Party of Florida, or at least the senatorial committee. And but you've this is the big week of Donald Trump and Alvin Bragg. And I think yeah. you have something to tell us about that. If I'm right. So Alvin, Alvin Bragg, <laughs> I love it. I love it when these people do this stuff. You can't make it up. And uh, so Alvin, Alvin Bragg lives in a glass house and his boss, George Soros and the Soros family to include his son and, and, and uh, daughter-in-law, I believe uh, they're uh, big supporters of Alvin Bragg. And we found um, uh, a curious, we found a really curious case in him, uh, with him. There was, a, uh, there was a donation from India 
And so mm-hmm. looked into who this person was. And it's somebody who lives, who owns a, a software company in India. And he's making donations. I don't know if he's a United States citizen or not, but I sure know that he doesn't live here. Um, I also know that in the ad, so when we dug into him, we cross-referenced the, the, um, the federal election database and he was a donor to Mark Kelly, three donations, two of which uh, with an India address and one with a New York address. And when we looked into the New York address, nobody was living there. It was for rent or listed for sale. Patterns. Interesting. Yeah, patterns, yeah. Patterns. So and foreign so, money in foreign money influencing our elections, literally yeah. to the point of attempting to put the thumb on the scale of the president of the United States. The election. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what we see also with Bragg is we see we see that um, with Bragg, we're seeing that um, he is definitely tied to this mule smurf network. Um, And it is a pattern that is repeated in every state. Um, We're we're churning out reports right now, getting it out to grass, uh, uh, grassroots journalists, distributed journalists all over the nation. And they're, you know, pounding the ground doing, these uh, O'Keefe Media Group videos asking people. Like not knocking on doors, right? Yep, knocking on doors mm-hmm. and getting video. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing a lot of elder abuse, a lot of elder mm-hmm. abuse. Um, we're seeing um, folks who, you know, maybe donate a couple times a week, you know, and they call themselves big donors. Well, they mm-hmm. have no idea how big a donor they are <laughs> because we're, we're finding people who are donating you know, 40 times a day. I mean, every wow. day for four years. <laughs> and <laughs> not taking off any wow. nights or weekends. And, you know, I mean, so what we're doing is we're running this stuff down. And, you know, the, the, the great part about this ultimately is going to be, um, the, nobody is above the law. That was, I heard that one the other day. That made yeah, me laugh. Yeah. I heard all these stories. Nobody's above the law. Nobody's above the law. You know, like, you know, that one video where they, all their news stations, they all have the same quote, you know, because it right. comes out from Reuters. Mockingbird media. media. Yeah. 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 So I just, I just was chuckling about this and laughing because they have no idea what's coming. And because we we've got it all, we've got all the data. We so you've it. outlined that uh, Raphael Warnock in Georgia was a beneficiary of this Smurf network, where people are donating many more times than they're physically possible of doing or legally possible. But you're so you're saying Bragg was a benefit of this network as well. You have that? Information? Yes. Yeah, Bragg was definitely a network, uh, definitely a participant in, and as was pretty much every single Democrat candidate. And every single mm-hmm. Democrat pack, um, it is a uh, truly 
massive money laundering, identity theft, um, fraud ring. And this is how they have stolen our elections. And so not only does Florida not have elections, I, I'm, I'm starting to believe that no state has real elections at this point because this massive network of fraud is just so pervasive. I mean, you have, you know, tens upon, we haven't even got to the full extent of how bad this is yet. But what I, you know, like I, like, I mean, but it's going on in every single state at the federal and at the state level. So, you know, we found, um, you know, uh, it was uh, a lot of judges, right? Judges, they, uh, they get elected. They're, you ever wonder why some of these judges make such questionable, um, uh, so, some of these questionable rulings? It's because mm -hmm. they've been bought and paid for, you know? Yeah. And is, they is know it, it. Let me ask you, we've had the, you know, information that Connick was involved in our elections nationwide with, um, and they were traced back to the CCP. This level of fraud seems almost like state actor. Um, do you have any insight yeah, into that at I all? I mean, look, uh, let, let, well, we know that the Chinese communists have been very active in campaign finance um, since at least the Clinton re-election campaign, when uh, Bill Clinton and Al Gore took money from China uh, for their re-election campaign in exchange, of course, for uh, the opening up of China for Walmart mm -hmm. and the sale of our GPS and missile technology and supercomputing technology to China, because they're smart. Yeah. They didn't just yeah. want our stores and our products. They wanted our technology, which, by the way, they've used to um, create hypersonic missiles designed to take out our aircraft carriers. Thank you very much, Mr. Clinton. Thank you very much, Al yeah. Gore. You know? So, yeah. you know, their entire space program, their entire GPS program, everything, it's all built on either the trans, the illegal transfer of top secret um, technology for payment by, to the Clintons, one way, shape, form, or another, you know, or, um, you know, through IP theft. And so what, as we look at the election from 2020, um, who stood the benefit? You know, who benefits? And we follow the money. And China, surely... They needed to get Donald Trump out of there. You know, yeah. he had started taking a hard line against China and they didn't like it. And neither did the um, their uh, their co-conspirators here in the United States. I mean, that, that's a fact. I mean, when you look at when you look at the total campaign finance donation or contributions processed by Act Blue in the 2020 election during the height of the COVID pandemic, it blew away by a very, very large margin any previous campaign at all. And it, I, I, I seem, uh, I think the roughly it was, it was in excess of $4 billion, $4 
billion dollars was run into our elections. That's a lot of money. And I don't think that Joe Biden was that popular of a candidate. Yeah. And I don't I don't believe that every American in the, in the United States who voted Democrat donated, um, you know, vast sums of money to get orange man bad Trump out of office because it didn't happen. We know it didn't happen. So it's, it's essentially someone very large or something very large, some entity is funding billions of dollars of illegal campaign finance contributions through the Smurf network to almost every globalist Democrat candidate in the country is what you're yes. saying. At a local and federal level. And yeah. so we're, and, and we're, we've, you know, it's, it's very frustrating for us because here we are, we're just, we, the people, right? Yeah. This is, this, this is the job. This should have been the job of CISA. This should have yeah. been the job of the NSA. This should yeah, have been the job of, right. of, of um, the Center for Internet Security. Um, it should have been the job of the FEC. It should have been the job of the IRS. It should have been the job of the Treasury Department. But they were all in there too. So, I mean, so during the 2020, right, I personally reached out to Commissioner Trainer at the FEC. And I expressed um, deep concern about um, big tech's um, illegal in-kind campaign contributions, you know. And you know, there's a long story with that tied with me and the former head of Facebook Engineering. And I, so I had the emails, I had the proof, and I laid it all out for him, and they did nothing. And when um, the Hunter Biden laptop thing came out. You know, sure, sure enough, they knew full well what was going on. They knew full well, and they chose not to do anything. So if they're going to put a guy in jail for a meme, okay, they, they, people better start going to jail for this. People better go to jail for this. Well, that, that's the next step. So where are you going with all of this? I mean, and let me ask one more question. Is that all you have on Bragg, or is there more coming? <laughs> Uh, there's going to be a lot more coming, I promise. A lot more. And okay. it is going to be biblical. Wow. <laughs> That's a strong word. <laughs> it is a strong we're, word. It is, we're, it, it's going to be we're biblical. In bib we're in biblical times. So. Oh, we are. And it's exciting, yes. though. It is it exciting. Is great time to be alive. Yes, it is. So uh, tell us what you, in the next two minutes, what you're going to do going forward. So we're um, opening up a front here in Florida, and we are going to uh, um, give the uh, supervisors of elections here in Florida um, some sleepless nights because we uncovered um, some pretty damning evidence of them um, altering election documents, and they don't have good answers for that. And as a matter of fact, we had found so many irregularities a year ago that I, I personally reached out to um, Court Bird, um, the uh, uh, general counsel for State, Secretary of State. Yeah. Yep. Right. I, I personally reached out to them 
and I expressed that, you know, uh, we found so many startling problems with, um, in a very short period of time that um, we asked for them not to destroy the election records. And apparently in a lot of the counties, they did destroy the election records. Even though DeSantis in a press conference at the Broward County, um, uh, uh, Broward County, and I think it was August, uh, said that they were going to preserve all the election documents, and he lied again. He tells he tells you one thing and does something entirely different. Yeah, and nobody's above is, the law. Is the election crimes unit or law enforcement unit in Florida still unstaffed? Essentially, is there? Um, I mean, well, one guy. You know, <laughs> I have submitted multiple, um, uh, I've, I've submitted volumes of um, information to them. And I think your, your listeners, I think we the people should, um, I think you should, I think they should do public records requests. And, and they should, and they can particularly use my name. They can say, we want all of the um, information that, that uh, Christopher Gleason or Chris Gleason or, you know, that was submitted to the Secretary of State's office and Maria Matthews' office and the Election Crimes office. Um, what, you know, what happened to all of those? How many referrals were made from the Election Crimes office to Ashley Moody's office? That would be, that would yeah. be really good. They won't, they, they've yet to respond to my public records request. And usually when I find the state doesn't want to reply to your public records requests, where they just ignore it and hope you go away, that's where the information is. Yeah. And it's well, We've got to go, Chris. We've got to go. Thank you for coming on. I want to have you back and maybe even do a, an update show during the week this week on all, right. uh, all your activities. So um, thank you very much. We'll have you Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Talk to you. Take care. Yeah. So real quick, before we bring on our next guest, there's a lot of people out there interested in investing in uh, military dual, dual use technologies. And that uh, includes a term called mission focused investing and using capital that is trusted or trusted capital. If you're interested in that, go to Stony Lonesome Group LLC.com and check them out. Uh, give Sean Drake, the head of the group, a call and discuss with him um, you know, what he's doing at Stony Lonesome Group. That is stonylonesomegroupllc.com for mission-focused investing and trusted capital. I got my friend and partner and uh, classmate, Brent Beecham, on the line. Uh, thank you, Brent, for coming on. Good afternoon, Todd. So you are a developer extraordinaire in North Atlanta, uh, have a, a very nice development in, in Crabapple, right, that I, I have that's correct. Times. Um, but tell me what's going on with the real estate, commercial real estate, especially in, in Atlanta. You know, the, the, the interest rate spike and inflation has caused a lot of loan issues, finance issues, bank right. issues. What, what's, and what, what is going on, in your opinion, in, in the metro area? Well, you know, I think it's a tale of two cities. So it depends on where you're at. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in New York or Chicago um, or even in downtown Atlanta, there's there's trouble. Mm -hmm. in the real estate market and commercial real estate, particularly in office parks, um, mm -hmm. places like that. Uh, malls have 
suffered over the the last few years uh, as well. But um, like the residential bubble that occurred in 2008, we have similar kinds of situations here that again may go beyond just, you know, real estate is local. Um, in 2008, that was wiped out by, you know, uh, credit uh, uh, swaps, credit default swaps. Yeah. So similarly, uh, in the commercial real estate uh, in the last few years, particularly since about 2018, when interest rates were extremely low, um, bank rates uh, of deposits were extremely low. Uh, they created an asset bubble. So for the last number of years, you've seen um, whether it's life insurance companies that are sitting on a pile of cash, uh, private equity that, that need to find a, a safe place to invest, uh, instead of putting it in the market where there's risk, instead of putting it in a bank account where you're getting zero interest rate, they figured they could put it into commercial real estate, particularly multifamily was one that really, really exploded. And you see, um, you see that around the country. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and even I, you know, I looked at a, a property in Decatur, it was 300 uh, units, roughly. Um, it could be purchased for say 18 million. You put in a couple million, you stabilize it, increase the rates, and then you sell it for a cap rate, you know, and cap rates basically, um, when they take the, um, income, that's generated from that property. And then you were kind of work that backwards and say, well, how much money would I have to put into an account at that uh, percentage rate to get that return? So uh, a property that maybe say it was 300 units at a thousand dollars a month, by the time you figure it in uh, cost overhead and whatnot, maybe you're generating $210,000 uh, annually so if you look at a three cap, which is, again, uh, what do you have to invest to get um, at 3% to get that amount of money that made the value of that property worth about $7 million. And five cap, you know, and, those, and that's really conservative at that, uh, if just a few years ago, that reduced the value of that property to 4.2 million. And you're just now, doing a present value calculation yeah, at that point, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, mm -hmm. so now with interest rates climbing, um, and you can buy treasury bonds, you can invest uh, safely, even in a, in a you know, six month CD at a bank and you get 5%, why would you buy, why would you spend all that kind of money to go into a, a commercial real estate property, um, whether it be multifamily or office, so without it being a significant return. So at 8% mm -hmm. 8 cap rate, that same property that was worth $7 million a few years ago is only worth maybe 2.6 million right wow. now. So that you can see that, that uh, the falling values uh, on top of that, the banks, um, there's all kinds of notes that are floating out there, depending on, um, you know, what you're, uh, if you were trying to do something kind of short term, they, they would do like a 35 month uh, loan, which would give you, you don't have to pay intangible tax on a 35 month loan, anything over under three years. So you take a three year note, maybe it was at 5% uh, three years ago. Now it's coming due Well, the new rates, 8%. And they may say, well, you know, we loaned you a certain amount of money. Uh, maybe you had to have 30% equity in that, uh, in that loan. 
And now that loan's coming due. Well, the 30% of the current value uh, means you're going to have to put a lot more money back into the project um, for the bank to renew it. Assuming so essentially a margin call, right? It's, yeah, it's basically. Yeah. 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 And, and I, you know, I've been seeing, and, and honestly, I, this is not because I'm kind of local and my, and my projects are, are um, small downtowns. I don't really feel this kind of, this kind of threat. Mm-hmm. But um, I have friends of mine who are uh, managers of big um, corporations that have billions of dollars worth of real estate. And, you know, they can't lease out uh, in the wake of, you know, COVID uh, turned into uh, stay at home and work. You know, uh, this friend of mine's got a 1.5 million uh, square feet of office in downtown in Buckhead. Mm-hmm. And there may be 25 or 30% of the uh, spaces actually occupied at any given time, just because wow. we're working maybe two days or three days from home. So they're now, you know, they're having to do interesting things like they're putting in a brew pub, they're adding restaurants, which takes away from their their um, office space, but it creates a, at least some reason to come to work, which yeah. I think, you know, after work, if I go down and have a beer with my friends, my colleagues, that's a lot more interesting than, you know, you, you leave work, you hop in your car and you drive home an hour through traffic. You know, I don't understand the whole not come to work concept of, if- I, if I was an employer, I'd just say you're coming to work or you're gone. I, mean, I think that's coming. I think that's coming. Now, you know, with layoffs, uh, you know, if they're laying off 10,000 people at Facebook or yeah. Google or Amazon, they go, okay, so if you don't be part of that 10,000, you got to come in five days a week. Just uh, check the attendance <laughs> roster. It's very easy. Cut off the yeah. low, low exactly. end, 10%. Or yeah. But the, wow. the, the thing that I've been reading really interesting lately is the number of loans that are coming due in uh, 2023 i i read uh, and I, i've been watching this on fox business news uh, recently this really just started to be highlighted is how big is this uh, how big is this problem and it's like 160 yeah. billion in 2023 but in 2024 there's somewhere around 400 billion in uh, notes coming due and then 2025 through 27, they're talking about 500 billion annually. Well, wow. so this could be this could be much much bigger than the 2008 uh, bubble in terms of total dollars that are um, they're yeah. going to do that are at risk. I, I've seen properties, and, and my investors are now to, uh, told us to turn away from new construction new development let's go find distressed assets let's go buy notes. Yeah. yeah and and that's you know on, on one hand it's bad for those who have the notes coming due on, on the other hand again people who've got money who've been uh, invested wisely mm-hmm. who've got a lot of cash now are going to be set to you know reap the reward um well as a former bond trader you know there's a saying on wall street that interest rates are low until they're not <laughs> and so, I mean, essentially, you know, everybody should have seen this coming, but people don't understand what havoc, you know, Obama and Bush and even, you know, under Trump to some extent, keeping rates at zero artificially right. by the Fed coming into the market and acting as a bond buyer and dropping those rates just, you know, created, you know, the mom and pop, the old lady who's living on, 
you know, municipal bonds. I mean, you know, so right. they just it destroyed a lot of lives, essentially. And now we're going to have to pay. I, we can't get out of this without any pain, in my opinion. No. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like, again, for my company, we positioned ourselves well in that we're not buying mm-hmm. millions of square feet of office. You know, um, mm-hmm. we're trying to stay very local, uh, redevelopment of new uh, downtowns, redevelopment of older downtowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at this point, I think the the big, you know, the big uh, money is going to be made in buying up and redeveloping properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cities are going to, you know, that's the other issue is that that um, I've seen recently here. Um, there will uh, an attempt to redevelop an, an old mall, and, and again, it was a mall that. Five years ago, was filled with the, the the all the name brands, and now it's all kind of gone away. Yeah, and the cities don't want to um, they don't want apartments because they associate apartments with you know with people who are just kind of temporary. And so, I mean, you mm-hmm. have all this wasted space. The mm-hmm. only way you can make money, you can't do you know redevelopment of properties. Um, without doing condos or apartments and condos are hard to finance. So I mean, it's, it's a, we're, we're getting ourselves into a square corner here that Mm -hmm. that I don't know how we're going to get out of. Wow. But rates, you know, the rates that are up are gonna, you know, again, make cash King and it's gonna make a lot of people really rich. And, and those who, who bought into low interest loans that are going to be refinanced are going to be in real trouble. And with inflation, I mean, you see real estate as a kind of a hedge to 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 protect your money, even on the re- residential side. Yeah, you know, um, just for us personally, we we buy um, townhomes mm-hmm. uh, for for rental property. Um, I, I I keep on one hand, I want to put money into my IRA, my four hundred one k. Um, but on the other hand, I watch, I put in, you know, significant amount of money last year maxed out and my account is worth exactly the same as it was at the beginning of the, the year. I've got some feedback here, but when they have financial crisis, they, they buy cars and TVs with their money because they know their money's not going to be worth anything in the bank. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, I think, and, and I kind of thought about this the other day. I, I see parents putting money into 529s uh, mm-hmm. for their kids' college. I'm thinking right now, um, why not buy some rental property, put it in your exactly. kid's name? Yeah. You know, exactly. it, it generates actual real income. Uh, the value of the property itself is not relevant until the day you decide to sell it. So, yeah. you know, we, we bought property of $70,000 during the last downturn that mm-hmm. generates $1,900 a month, and it's mm-hmm. worth uh, probably three hundred thousand now. Yeah. So now's the time for uh, brave people to make some smart money. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Thank you, Brent. I got to bring on our next guest, but want to have you back because you got your finger on the real estate market. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Uh, you bet. I want to bring on Mallory Staples. Hi, Mallory. Hey, Todd. How you doing? Uh, great. Thanks for coming on. Short notice. I appreciate it. But we had a really uh, tumultuous session. Uh, under the gold dome and give us an overview of what you think happened. Okay. Well, um, I've got my notes here. There's probably <laughs> 10 bills, 10 bills that I'd love to highlight. Uh, sure. Go ahead. I mean, our, our, 
our biggest win was obviously killing 520, which mm -hmm. was the mental health bill, HB 520. Um, just, we took the legislature by storm. They did not mm -hmm. think that the resistance was as vast as it was or as vocal or as committed. So that's mm -hmm. a real feather in the cap of not just the Georgia Freedom Caucus, but all of our coalition partners and grassroots. Mm -hmm. uh, they thought that was a foregone conclusion. So that was a really, really big deal um, that 520 did not make it um, in the Senate. And, you know, we are prepared. They will um, undoubtedly come back next session and um, try and invite it for matches. And we're going to be ready for that. That was the deal. And, um, Before you move on, who do you think's behind that? Who do you think's behind 520, the mental health bill? Who's the big um, money behind it? I think it's it? the, uh, the well, Kevin Tanner, I believe, is one who bill and um, the pharma hospital lobbyists are behind that big time, big time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. They stand, you know, healthy citizens do not make them money. Um, yeah. They make money when people are sick and, and not well. So uh, I think that's behind that. Okay. There's a um, huge lobby behind that. NAMI is what they're called. But anyway, um, but yeah, Kevin Tanner, I believe, um, from what I understand, wrote that bill. So uh, we had SB1 passed, which was huge. And Senator Greg Dolezal carried that bill. Um, that was the one that blocks the um, ban state and local governments from being able to discriminate um, against the citizens based on vaccine status. So that was a major, major win. Um, SB 140, we won again on that. Um, that was um, heading to the governor's desk and signed it. He did a little press conference over that, which was great. And that's the one banned sex changes and cross-hormone therapy. And we saw the trans community just on the heels of what happened, you know, this past week. Right. Um, the trans community showed up pretty big at the Capitol for that. So that was incredible that we were able to get that passed considering the cultural climate. That was a big deal. So um, we also not talked about quite as much, but SB 204, which was also carried by Senator Greg Dolezal, that um, keeps um, school, um, what do you call them? accreditation groups from being able to require DEI and CRT for schools to get their accreditation. They've largely held these schools hostage and said, you have to implement this or you're not going to be accredited. And um, mm -hmm. we passed that bill, SB 204. So that was that was great. Not as maybe sexy, but very, very important for education. Sure. Um, yeah. HB 48 uh, was another one that didn't get a lot of like media attention, but a really big deal. Um, it would have made the district attorney and county solicitor elections nonpartisan. And that really turns these positions over to people like George Soros and their funding. And so that was that was a really um, massive win. You know, so much of what we're seeing in the larger cities, the corruption, the crime is the handiwork of the district attorneys. So mm -hmm. we're yeah. happy that, um, that, that yeah, mm -hmm. that, um, the House um, didn't get the support for that. Um, the Senate did. The House didn't. So that's another dead bill, which is great. Um, HB 200. Oh my God. This would have enacted ranked voting. And when I say that people came out and asked against the bill, it was credible. That was, so that was another one that took a dirt nap. Um, HB 222, 
Yeah, I didn't hear as much about that one. There, there was so much tension on 520, and rightly so. And I would say uh, school choice, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but mm -hmm. this was another important bill. Uh, it made like the Zuckerbucks illegal in Georgia. And we know from the last two election cycles, they that that money played it had a huge impact on on uh, election turnout. So that was really great. Um, school choice. <laughs> Uh, which was HB 338, uh, passed the Senate and, I mean, passed the House. And you, if anybody just wants to entertain themselves, they need to go watch the um, droning droning on of the Democrats. Um, it just, the hypocrisy of the left just mm. blows my mind. But that's, yeah. if anybody's really bored on spring break, they can go watch some of that. Um, but we're going we're gonna to get back and push on that next year. The clock ran out on the Senate with um hb338 but we're i i think um that one will get passed uh, next session will certainly be top of the um freedom caucus list um there was media attention for sb99 i don't know if you heard about this this was the certificate of need lots of consternation over that the wellstair hospital lobby system lobby came out and they really kind of locked horns with the lieutenant governor and um so, Bert Jones really, really held his ground representing the rural community. That's a very, very powerful lobby with Wellstar. Um, so, um, he killed a bunch of House bills to make it clear that when they kill policies like that, it's not going to play well with the president of the Senate. So, that was really, mm. kind of, you know, Bert's new to this position and he was a Trump endorsed candidate. But mm -hmm. he is part of leadership, so I think the populace was really kind of watching with bated breath to see who he was going to remain, if he was going to remain loyal to the America First crowd and the true conservatives, or if mm -hmm. he was going to have to, you know, bend the knee a bit to play, you know, with the governor and the speaker. And we could not be more proud of the lieutenant governor on several fronts. So, um, well done. Great, on that one. great to hear. Great to hear because um, there, there was some, there was some yeah. questions over that. You know, over his performance, Very and what much was so. actually going on? What was going on in the Capitol with changing of rules and, and other things? So that's a good to know. Well, yes, and I think the mental health bill, dying five twenty nine, that was really the litmus test for the lieutenant governor. I mean, that was it mm -hmm. because that was remarkably um, the the anthem, really the earmark for the rhinos and the the non conservative Republicans. They're the ones that really pushed this through. I mean. Mary Margaret Oliver is a co-sponsor. Um, she's a Democrat, but it had massive support from the Republicans and the mm -hmm. outcry from the people was really deafening. And so they were watching to see, hey, is the Lieutenant Governor going to stand with us and champion the people and the will of the people? Or is he going to, you know, have to kind of wheel and deal with the leadership? And so I mean, I think 520 spoke volumes about Lieutenant Governor. And then, of course, we had several senators behind that, um, Senator Colton Moore, uh, Senator Greg Dolezal, and Senator Brandon mm -hmm. Beach uh, were naysayers for that bill. And they all, um, you know, wielded, I think, their their influence and used their voices to speak against that in the Senate. But ultimately, that lands with the Lieutenant Governor whether it gets a vote or not. And so he really, um, I mean, again, the grassroots were very vocal with him, but he responded appropriately. And well, that, that's good to hear because we were, we were harsh on him during the confusion down at the 
gold dome. So that's good to hear. So we're happy to give him kudos for that. So what else? We got like two minutes. Well, and that's under Mallory. Good. Oh, okay. Okay. So um, SV233 uh, would be um, mm -hmm. the last one that I probably can get in here. Um, mm -hmm. 16 of the so-called Republicans killed this bill. Um, so we are looking, um, you know, we got clear battle lines on this one for the next election cycle. Let me tell you what this one did. Hold on. So we're not, um, this was school, this was a school choice bill, which okay. is my, this should have been an absolute no brainer for every Republican to vote yes on this. Um, so we have 15 Republicans. And we'll be publishing um, the network and my newsletter, the 15 that voted with the Democrats to kill this bill. Um, just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And these people need to go, they need to get primaried and be on their way out for that. We're start sure. putting some pressure on them immediately. Uh-huh. <laughs> immediately. So that's kind of those are the top, top, top tier bills at the at the moment that we're highlighting from the wrap up. So so you have a really good email that comes out pretty routinely, especially during session. Tell us how people can support you. How can they can yes. understand what you're doing and, and find out about it? Well, thank you for the question. Yes, mm -hmm. and currently we're getting ready to move over to Substack, which is going to be very exciting and I think uh, much easier. But for right now, uh, Mallory at State Freedom Caucus Network is my email. And, if so and I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. If someone can message me, I will send them the QR code for the newsletter and we'll get that out to them. And then I'll update them when we transfer over to Substack. It should be a week or two, but that's going to help increase circulation and just make it easier to um, access that. But Mallory at statefreedomcaucusnetwork.org. Mallory, thanks so much. We'll have you back, I'm sure. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you for right, having bye. me. So, Wow. A powerful show. We're going to have more coming. Uh, this is going to be an exciting time. Remember three things. Get our no-ad subscriptions, support free media, because you're not going to get the real media anywhere else. We've had deplatforming off 25 Silicon Valley networks. We've had death threats. We've had cyber attacks that blown up computers. We've had our bank accounts wiped. So please support us and uh, get, us, uh, get our no-ad subscription. Go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code CDM. Get the best discounts out there and support Stony Lonesome Group, our sponsor, Stony Lonesome Group, LLC.com for mission-focused investing and trusted capital investing. Thank you very much. And until next week, uh, we may have a show during the middle of the week, but thank you for watching.